Geekish Chaos, episode 109, Classic Comic Con, number two. The interviews continue. Hey guys, Jeremy here. It's day two of Classic Comic Con here in Modesto, and I am joined by one of the zombies from the Zombie Walk Lodi, which is going to happen Saturday, October 29th, in the city of Lodi in Central California. So, uh, zombie, how you doing? Okay, so that doesn't really give us a whole lot of info, but um, so tell me a little bit about your zombie walk you've got going on. October 29th, Zombie Walk, Lodi, California. Hey guys, I'm sitting here with uh, Tara from the Night Terrors. How you doing, Tara? I'm good. How are you guys? Doing well. So normally you guys do like punk shows and not comic conventions. Yeah, we do the underground stuff with kids with no money. So yeah, they so look at our stuff and they don't really buy it. Yeah, but, is th- yeah. this a little different then? Yeah, we've already made enough to say that we can make a profit now once we start selling Oh, more. fantastic. Yeah. So you got a lot of stuff out there that's got like... Um, Chopping blocks with zombies mm-hmm. and things like that. Yes. Where, where did you first get the idea to make uh, decorated kitchen items for a uh, pop culture um, kitchen, I guess? Well, I have a very cutesy but creepy house. You've seen it before. I've seen it. Yeah, we like a lot of weird stuff in our house, but yet still functionable. So... Being someone who likes hanging nerd stuff, I also wanted my kitchen spoons and my cutting boards and my magnets. Everything in my kitchen is like my measuring cups are R2D2 measuring cups. Like, That's, yeah. Yeah. Kind of keeps with the theme. Yeah. yeah. So I like the little niches here. I like things that are functional, like art that is functional that you can actually yeah. use. Use for something. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's excellent. More of a tangible item instead of something that's just hanging on a wall, which yeah. there's nothing wrong with art that hangs on the no, wall. No, absolutely but, not. Most yeah. people have it that way. So I figured, you know, I'm a girl, middle-aged, I guess you would say. Young, middle-ish. middle-ish. Yeah. yeah. Getting there. Getting there. Uh, housewives and moms want stuff, too, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah, absolutely. Even, like, guys, gourmet cooks in their 40s who love this kind of stuff, and it's... They usually have their houses set up with tons of art. I know you probably, you have that problem when you have yeah. tons of art already. Where are you going to put it? Put it in your kitchen spoon. Yeah. No, it's a good, that's a, that's a, I thought that was really cool. And uh, we've already bought a piece from you today. Yeah. I mean, I, and Deborah's glad she didn't bring her credit card because she would have bought more. So. Deb's actually got our, uh, got one of our cartoon inspired, uh, wood spatulas. Wood spatulas. Yeah. 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 So very you, functional for a kitchen. Yeah, no, it's yeah. very cool you stuff. You can actually use them, which is awesome. So you are actually in business with your partner, Nate. Yeah, yeah. Um, We've been doing and, this for like 10 years. Yeah, that's yeah. that's kind of cool. Now, I just interviewed Doc Phineas a bit ago. Okay. And I noticed Nate's kind of growing out his mustache in a... Yes, he has the very old-timey mustache. He's actually running Twisted around ends. the con uh, using a 1930s uh, ringmaster, circus ringmaster voice. Oh, boy. He's been using the cane all morning. Yeah. Like, he has a limp. And I just, I saw my, the love of my life 20 years from now. He's <laughs> limping like the cane's real. He looks, he has a boater hat on, a 1920s boater hat. Right. Which makes him look the Dutch that he is. It does. It does yeah. bring you through quite a bit. Yeah. Very, very 
large beard and mustache, swirly mustache. Yeah. He looks like he should be riding a Penny Farley into the Or at least one of those. Yeah, yeah. 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 Absolutely he does. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um all right, Tara. Well, we'll probably check in with you again and do. Yeah, we'll probably we'll be have here all you. Weekend. We'll probably have you do the wrap up episode with us too. Cool. Maybe yeah. we could talk about some some, some stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. What's been going on with TV? Yeah, we'll yeah. do something like that. That'd be a all lot right. of fun. Cool. All right. Well, I'll catch up with you guys in a little bit then. No problem. Thanks. Hey, everybody. Jeremy here at uh, Classic Comic Con in Modesto. I'm being joined right now by Angelique S. Anderson, who is a local author, singer cosplayer apparently is there anything you're, you're not into is there anything you just don't um, like no not really okay star trek fan uh yes pokemon so yes game of thrones uh no okay well there we go there was i knew if i kept asking we'd don't, find one don't somewhere. throw forks at me or anything <laughs> i know everybody's a game of thrones fan i do love walking dead though oh there you go yeah. that's a big one um, so you have a few books out on the market. Yes. Why don't you tell me a little bit about your writing background? And- okay. Well, um, I started writing when I was very young. Um, I used to write poems and like dark poetry and horror stories. I was very into, do you remember the, the Alvin Schwartz books with the short, scary stories in them? And they had like creepy drawings on the yes, front. Okay. Yes. So I was really into that. And so I was like trying to replicate that. And so I would draw, I would write like really like scary stories as a kid and I had I mean I had like books full of stuff and then we kept moving and so I ended up losing all of it and then um as I got older I kind of drifted away from that and then got more into the music thing and so I started writing songs and um and then from there when I realized I didn't want to be a singer slash songwriter I was like well let me try the story thing again so that's where that started okay so um your first book that you, you know, are you self-publishing or somebody publishing for yeah, you? Yeah, I'm self-publishing. I actually did have a publisher. I went through Tate Publishing and um, actually paid them a lot of money. Sure. Um, and then found out it was kind of a hoax. So I had to, like, fight to get my rights back. Yep. And, oh, gosh. It was it was a mess. So I almost didn't keep writing. And then... Um, well, unfortunately, I, there's a lot of grift out there. There is. Yeah. There is. And, like, the more, you know, the more I get into the whole writing world and meet more authors, like, the more you see, like... You know, Author House is also one of those ones that, you know. Well, it's what they used to call a vanity press back Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Vanity press, uh-huh. And um, so so now I just go through Creative Space, which is um, a division of Amazon. And yep. I, I love it. Like, I'm, I'm having so much fun. It's, it's a lot of fun. I really love it. No, that's good. So your first book then, what was the title of it? Uh, the first book I wrote is um, Little Lost Girl. Okay. And it's actually a series of short stories that were based on my life growing up in foster care. Um, I had a stepmom who was a drug addict and prostitute, and we lived in Vegas, and I got moved around a lot. So, you know, everybody has their story, and sure. so I wanted to share my story, um, hopefully to encourage people who have been through stuff that, you know, you're more than your circumstances and that you can do something with that and not just be, you know, like I have I have friends who, who are alcoholics and, you know, who do drugs and stuff, and it's because of the things that they went through when they were younger, and I didn't turn out that way because I chose not to. Sure. And so I wanted to encourage them, you know, above all, but I wanted to encourage people that you don't have to be that just because you grew up with yeah. that. So that was my first book. So it's kind of a you are more than the sum of your parts kind yeah. of story. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. So that um, was, is it semi-fictionalized or is it a pretty true-to-life story? How um, did you write it? It is, I did, well, I wrote it like in a fiction a fiction way because I did, because, you know, it's really hard when you're dipping back yep. in those memories to write about those things and I didn't want to, um, 
it was, I mean, it was painful enough. So I was like, I just want to get this out. And so I wrote it in a fictional way. But everything in there is true to, true to story. All Everything, all the instances that it happened, you know, the abuse or whatever, it's all it's all true, true to life. Um, the only thing that's fiction is, like, names, um, conversations that I couldn't quite recall mm-hmm. or colors of things, you know, stuff like that. Where you have so, to add a little texture and feel to yeah, things. Yeah. yeah, to give people a little bit more of the emotional side of things. Okay, so then your next book was a fictional book? Yes. Uh, what, that's, you're actually looking at it on the card. That's okay. Eden Serum. Um, that was my next book. Um, and that one is a really fun... It was just it was so much fun to write. It's a sci-fi novel. I really I really love sci-fi, um, and so it completely took a turn I did not expect. Um, because at the time I was like, okay, I want to write like a vampire novel, but then I'm like, vampires are kind of played out a little bit. Like I don't want to do the sparkly thing. It's already been done, and so um, I wrote about a guy who is a CEO of his company. He's um, vice president. Actually, he's vice president. And um, he pretty much has everything. He has the cars. He has the money. He has the position. Um, And so the only thing he doesn't have is, you know, immortality, which is what something that everybody wants. So he ends up paying very, a whole lot of money for an immortality serum. And then in between taking the immortality serum, he starts getting really sick. Well, then he finds out that it's killing him. And it's not the first time it's killed somebody. And it's marketed as an all-natural um, serum, but the thing is, is that it's not, and so then you get into nanotechnology and androids, and it's just, it's a really fun, really fun page-turning, lots of action. It sounds kind of interesting. Yeah. Reminds, yeah, it reminds me of a few characters that you hear about that, yeah. you know, just historically throughout yeah, fiction yeah, yeah. storytelling. Um, so how many books do you have, have you published so far? I have six, I have six so far. And then I have another one, um, which I'm just about, just about done with the first, co- the first draft. That one is scheduled to be released by Halloween, I'm hoping, and that one's okay. called Twisted Intentions. Um, and then I have two more children's books due out by the end of the year, um, and then hopefully I'm going to get to breathe for a little bit. <laughs> Sounds like So are you finding people pretty receptive to your publishing? Oh, yeah. I mean, I do events like this all the time, and I, I've i always loved people. I've always loved meeting people, so I have a really good time. Um, I usually do pretty well, like, you know, as far as selling and meeting people and making contacts, like... I, I can't complain about any of it. It's just been amazing. No, I mean, it, sounds, it really has been amazing. Yeah. <laughs> sounds, uh, no, it sounds pretty good. So um, as far as marketing goes, you do a lot of conventions. I do a lot of conventions. Um, Are there other things you do to kind of get the word out about your books? Um, I, well, I'm definitely big social media, you know, like social media, you got to be on there. So like I have sure. Twitter, I have Facebook, I have Instagram. I have, um, what else? There's, like, random social media sites. Um, I can't remember the name of it. There's a few different things that I've tried that are kind of out of the box. Um, I pay for ads. Um, I actually just had an a article written about me in um, in the record. Okay. Um, it's in the little pull-out section. The stock and record. Yes. Okay. Um, it's in the, the pull-out section called The Current. There's a really beautiful two-page pa- two spread that a really good friend of mine did for me. Um, so that's been that was phenomenal. And... I mean, pretty much anything I can do, I'm like, okay, let me do it. Like, no, that's. I mean, so. that's. These days, how else do you get the word out? Yeah, you know? and and the thing is, is that when you're when you're marketing like on Facebook and Instagram and all that, it's like that market is so saturated. I mean, Amazon alone has um, over 400 million books. Yes. So that market's really saturated. So the only way to really get yourself out there is to go in person and meet people. Um, I've done like I've done stuff at Barnes and Nobles. I mean, I I did local coffee shops in Stockton. I've done um, 
I did a coffee shop in Sacramento. So I'm pretty much, anytime somebody's like, hey, you should go try there. I'm like, all right, cool. I'll go try there. All over it. All yeah. over it. Yeah, yeah. Well, sales is still all about getting out and shaking yeah. hands and making yeah. relationships. That's, that's never going to change. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Cool. So um, you're hoping to take a break after the end of the year. <laughs> I always say that. Yeah. It never happens. I'm like, oh, I have another story artists, idea. Artists are never done. No. <laughs> Artists are never done. Well, Angelique, where can people find you out on the interwebs if they want to check your stuff out? Okay, so I have um, all my books are on Amazon.com, um, of course, and then BarnesandNobles.com. Um, I also have ebooks on Nook, Kindle, iTunes, um, Kobo, um, and then most of the most of the major um, retailers. Like if you go online, you can you can find my books. So. Fantastic. Do you have a website or anything? Um, just just Facebook.com, author A. Anderson. Okay. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you for taking the time. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Hey, guys. I am back with Gerald Shea Jr. and Carrie Shea of The Dramatics. How you all doing? Good. Doing fantastic. That's thank good. You. you guys are uh, here performing musically, but you're also in costume. So why don't you tell me a little bit about your cosplay selves? <laughs> well, um... Today I am Lori Grimes from The Walking Dead, and he is Sheriff Rick Grimes. A very lazy version. Well, he's got you got a more defined beard than Rick's. His is just kind of scruffy. Yours is groomed a little bit. But I appreciate yeah. the beard compliment. Yeah, yeah. Well, lot. as a bearded man, I have to say these things. <laughs> Looking good too. By well, the thank way. you, thank you. I work pretty hard at it. <laughs> it took me forty-three years to grow it. Yeah, I'm forty-three also. Oh, happy, like that? Uh, happy birthday, or no, however that no. works. Yeah, no, no. I'm just you know whatever the congratulatory thing is there. <laughs> no. um, so you guys are in a, a musical duo. Yes. Called the Dramatics. What do you do? What do you perform? Uh, well, we play across. Six decades of music from the fifties to current. Um, we have original music and covers um, all across different genres. Okay. All the way from classic country through even some stuff that's like borderline punk. Yeah, and I always tell people everything from Johnny Cash to Lady Gaga. Yeah. Well, there you go. That, that's quite that's quite the range <laughs> there. Um, you guys do any Waylon? What was it? Waylon Jennings? Jennings? No. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, that blank look after I said Waylon, I got a little... Well, country music stops and ends with Johnny Cash in my Oh, there you, you go. Know? Yeah. No, that's, that's a fair, that's well, a fair assessment. Ends, yeah. I should say. Um, do you guys have particular instruments you play, or are you both pretty well musically gifted across the board? He can play the guitar, the bass, and the drums. A little bit of drums. I sing. Um, I used to be a flautist, but okay. I don't do that anymore. <laughs> That would be somebody who plays the flout then, right? Yes, exactly, <laughs> yeah. the flout. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't do it anymore, but I sing. So okay. It's, it's do, you, do you guys have a favorite? I mean, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Help yourself to a piece of candy as long as it's okay with your parents. <laughs> yeah. Um, so do you guys have a preferred style of music that you, when you do your own originals that you stick to? Um, I always say my biggest songwriting influence is uh, Neil Young first okay. and maybe Bob Dylan second. Um, so, And a lot of people may not even hear it in our songs, but I do. You know, yeah. One of those things. Um, so, yeah, those, those I, I consider my biggest songwriting influences. I don't know if, from your perspective. Lyrically, um, I'm influenced from everything from real life to... Um, a lot of the pop culture, we've written a song about Batgirl and Emma Frost from the X-Men. We just recently wrote a song inspired by Rick Grimes from The Walking Dead. Oh, okay. Dead. That sounds pretty cool. Uh, what got you into music? 
Let's well here. Let's do this, Gerald. What got you into music? <laughs> um, when I was twelve, my uncle took me to see Judas Priest. That would do it. Yeah. That was it. I, my brother and I both we came home and begged my mom for three months to get us guitars, and she finally caved in and yeah. bought them for us. And that's that's how it started for me. Is that a Boston accent I hear? Born and raised in okay, Boston. Okay, yeah. yes, sir. It, it doesn't come through at all. I can barely hear. It. <laughs> well, you should see me when I'm at my car. Oh, yeah. There it is. Pocket in Harvard Yard. <laughs> Pocket in Harvard Yard. Yeah, exactly. Right. You know, what's really funny is my kids back in the mid-2000s, I went through, um, periodically go through a period where I'm like, I want my metal albums back, and I get yeah. Judas Priest made, and, and my kid's with me, right? Mm-hmm. And I pick up um, a Judas Priest album, and my youngest looks at it and goes, is he, is he, is he gay? <laughs> and I'm like, here's the thing. If you had said that when I was 13, I might have punched you in the neck. But, yeah, it turns out he was very, very gay. Yeah. Well, when, yeah. He, when he came out, it's funny because, yeah, you look back at his outfits. It's like, how the hell did oh. we not know? Well, you look at some of the lyrics. You're like, <laughs> yeah. now I get it. Okay, yeah. Yeah, love bites. Yeah, you know, exactly. <laughs> he was singing to a guy. Now he I sure understand. was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's kind of cool. So, um, do you cover any Neil Young songs? We do, yeah. Rockin' in the Free World, um, uh, Like a Hurricane. Okay. Uh, Down by the River. Break Your Heart. We, we do play that. Down as by well. the River is going to be a hard song to play with your partner, then, huh? Yeah, yeah. it's a little challenging. Kind of look at each other in the eye oh, the yeah, whole time. Yeah. If you got in a fight that morning, <laughs> it just goes bad. Yeah. Absolutely. So, Carrie, what, what got you into music? Um, I've always loved to sing. When I was 12, I was in a school talent show and won a scholarship to the Music and Arts Institute in Kansas City. Um, I performed in production of the Opera Carmen with the Kansas City Symphony. Okay. And so ever so since you then. do you have a classical musical background yes. or okay yes. yeah the opera thing tipped me off a yeah. little bit so what was your training um, I it was vocal training um, I cannot speak French but I can sing two full songs in it so. <laughs> that's something now would that be Frere Jacques <laughs> <What's Yeah>. I, I kid, I kid. I love the French people. <laughs> I've been to Paris, a beautiful city, yeah, a long so, time ago. <laughs> now, do you guys, are you from the Central Valley, or, I mean, we, now, we nowadays, yeah. Newman, yeah. Okay. She was so, born and raised in Kansas City. Well, I was starting to get the sense that you both came from outside the area. Yeah, that was where we met, actually. And, he uh, he I had left moved Boston there. chasing different women. And yeah, as as one does. Yeah. When good. men quit their jobs and move to another city, there's usually a woman involved. Typically I mean, a woman, amazing. unless and, you and, sing for Judas Priest, then yeah. it might be a dude. <laughs> and oddly, it doesn't work out. Yeah. You know, isn't that something? Then things happen. <laughs> How did you guys come to California? Uh, my company that I work for transferred me out here five years ago when they were opening a new warehouse. Oh, okay. So um, I was very fortunate. They, um, you know, gave us some relocation assistance, and here I am. Oh, that's outstanding. Yeah. So yeah. then, um, cosplay thing. How did you get into that? Let's start with you, Carrie, because I started um, with Gerald. I Lassen. actually had stage three uterine cancer and mm-hmm. lost all my hair, and I decided okay. if I was going to wear wigs, I was going to have fun. Of- with it and that's how I became a cosplayer and then I kind of drug him along for the ride and occasionally I can get him to throw something on he's he's very supportive well I notice his is a pretty pretty subtle costume yeah. not subtle yeah. in the way that yours is subtle that like <laughs> you have to think about it his is a shirt yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. that's it he does have the wig and the hat Oh, well, there you go. Okay. So, I, so I you pretend do put I a full a effort while. in. Yeah, yes. yeah, here and there. Yeah, and, yeah. and my daughter especially, she's eight, and she's, you know, dad is a little girl. And yeah. Do you she, make her dress like Carl? Me. 
No. <laughs> Someone made a comment to me about Kyle, and I'm not a Walking Dead fan. My wife is. I didn't know what the heck he was talking about. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, Kyle. And I was like, what? Yeah, it's, it's, as the more my hearing goes, the more often I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know what you're saying. Yeah, that's great stuff. You just that's wave great. and smile. Yeah. So do you have a web presence if people want to check out your music? Where... Yes, um, uh, you can check out uh, us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Let's Get Dramatic. We are at Let's Get Dramatic on Twitter. We are also the co-creators of the NorCal Cosmos. Which is the cosplay the awards, right? Cosplay award show, yes. Well, why don't you give us a little info about that as well, then? Well, um, we did it last this year on Saturday, January 9th. Um, our mini con reached capacity six times during the day. We had our red carpet award show to a sold out crowd that evening. Before the day was over, they booked us again for next year. We're doing it Saturday, January 7th. Free mini con in the daytime, cosplay award show at night, and it's hosted by Ava Colker from Disney Channel's Girl Meets World, oh. American Horror Story. So. Fantastic. Did you mention where it was? It's at the West Side Theater. Well, you know what, guys? Let me, let me tell you this. I'm going to throw you one of my business cards. Yeah. Hit me up in a couple of days. Let's yeah. actually have you back on in the next maybe month or two. For sure. And we'll, yeah, we'll, do, we'll just do a full episode about nice. that to help you guys promote that Thank as much you. as we can. Wonderful. I appreciate that. Um, but guys, yeah. So that's uh, Carrie Shea and Gerald Shea Jr. The Jr. is very important. You might yes, get the is. wrong guy of <laughs> of the dramatics and creators of the. Co- is it the Cozies or Cozies? Cozies. Cozies. Yep. We could get cozy, but that might well, be a little. You know, whatever. Strange. Yeah. Who am I to judge? <laughs> well, guys, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank appreciate you, it. Thank yeah. you. Hey guys, we are back for the second day of Classic Comic Con. I'm here with Joe from Castle Air Force Base Museum. How you doing, Joe? Hey, pretty good, Jeremy. So, what is involved in running an Air Force Base Museum? Well, um, unfortunately, there's no more Air Force there. The base mm-hmm. closed about 25 years ago. But the Air Museum uh, is thrived. The Air Museum actually now uh, hosts about 70 aircraft displays on about uh, 20 acres. And, of course, we have an indoor museum, and we have a lot of goals coming up. But there's also challenges, challenges such as funding, sure. uh, nonprofit. You know, a lot of people think we're funded by the government. We are not. Uh, it's basically all self-funded. So that's a big challenge. Oh, wow. right so do there. you do? How do you do fundraising for that? Well, uh, we do several fundraisers a year. We have open cockpit days. We have one typically uh, over Memorial Day weekend, one day, and then we have one typically on Labor Day weekend, one day. And then we do several other things. We do golf tournaments. Uh, we do, uh, you know, kind of a uh, uh, 40s USO style uh, hangar dance, oh, okay. dinner dance type of thing. So, uh, but, you know, those things, uh, those things help. But, of course, we also do, you know, the daily gated mission uh, and straight across donations as well. So uh, it, it is a challenge, but, you know, the mission of, uh, retrieving and preserving these pieces of history that would otherwise become razor blades is is well worth it. Right. Um, so what's the coolest airplane you've got there? <laughs> well, everybody's favorite's the SR-71, the Blackbird. Uh, if you look at that, it looks like cutting-edge technology today, which I'm sure a lot of it still is, but that's 1960 technology. Right. Uh, it, it'll... I mean, it's still the fastest known airplane in existence. And it looks all stealth and lots of uh, they actually, and, yeah. yeah, they actually stumbled on stealth unknowingly building that airplane. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for those of you out there, I mean, it will beat 
uh, a rifle bullet at the muzzle. Wow. So, you know, there's a lot of uh, airplanes built out of titanium, really exotic metal. And uh, uh, what a lot of people don't know is back when that airplane was designed and built, uh, the CIA actually set up a very legitimate front company to buy the titanium needed to build 32 airframes. And guess where the titanium, the raw titanium was purchased from? The Soviet Union. So very cloak and dagger that's kind of Cold War. Hilarious, actually. Yeah. It is. It is because we, you know, United America, United States didn't have that much uh, raw titanium right. deposits. So, yeah, it is kind of hilarious. That's really funny. But there's still, oh, I think twenty-one or twenty-two in existence. They're all museums. Um, the airplane actually has more horsepower than the Queen Mary ocean liner. What's its horsepower rating? I'm not sure how you convert uh, pounds of thrust to horsepower, but each engine is, it's just, it's just huge. Yeah. I mean. Because I'm not even sure how you would figure out what that is, except. Uh, there's a formula, yeah. but I, I am not aware of it off the top of my head, but, yeah. uh, but there is. So how a, did, Joe, how did you get involved with this? Well, I, you know, uh, I always loved aviation and, and uh, I'm a pilot myself, but um, loved history built the models as a kid, watched the movies, and I started volunteering uh, back in the late 80s as a volunteer and then eventually uh, was asked to be on the board. And uh, about 2005, the, uh, they were looking for, the board was looking for a person to take over the directorship. And so I submitted a resume, and, you know, 10 and a half, almost 11 years later, here I am. There so you still are, huh? I still yeah. am, yeah. And, and we've grown it significantly. It, where it was only Air Force airplanes, we now have Navy airplanes, we have Marine airplanes, we have Army. So it's it's inclusive of all the flying branches of our, our military. Right. So the Air Force, when it was first founded, was a branch of the Navy? Am I No, the Marines of the Navy. Uh, the Air, Air Force, Force was, was part of the Army. Part of the Army, yeah. right. And it did, the Air Force was separated from the Army in 1947. Right, because there's actually no provision for the creation of an Air Force in the Constitution. No, no. No, that was a little before, uh, a little before that time. We, we thought of airplanes flying. No. Right. That's outstanding. Oh, so, Joe, if people want to donate or get, find more info or get involved. Absolutely. Go to our website at uh, www.castleairmuseum.org. Uh, we're online. Uh, people can become members. They can donate to specific projects online. Um, and they come. They become a volunteer online, too. So uh, we always need volunteers like every organization does. When you go to the museum, 98% of what you see out there is volunteers. It's not paid labor. Uh, if if you had to have that paid labor, it would be just astronomical. Oh, I'm you sure couldn't do it. Yeah, you know. So, and in a lot of cases, there's some airplanes out there. There's only two or three left in existence, out of hundreds built or yeah. thousands built. And you, was that Atwater or Merced? Where, That's Atwater. Atwater. Yeah, right at the right about the, at the front of the old main bay or main gate entrance. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's also a, a presidential aircraft there as well, former presidential oh, wow. aircraft on permanent exhibit. So. Fantastic. Well, yeah. thank you for taking the time to come over. My pleasure. You bet. Um, I'll tell you what. If you get a chance, shoot me an email with, like, your logo or maybe a photograph. Absolutely. When I do the blog post, I'd like to have that in there. Absolutely. And let me know if there's, I mean, if there's a way we can help get the word out or help, okay. you know, help do something well, for Well, I'll you. definitely uh, put you on all the press releases Please we've do. got coming Please out. Please do. That'd so, be great. Yeah. Joe, thank you very much. My pleasure. Thanks. For, Talk to you soon. You bet. Have a great day.
Hey guys, I'm sitting here with V and Cami, uh, a couple of professional cosplayers. How y'all doing today? Oh, we're doing great. Yeah, that's fantastic. You had a little trouble sitting down, V. Yeah, yeah, my outfit is very <laughs> stiff. Yeah, it's um, you're dressed as uh, the Wonder Woman from the new Batman vs Superman. Yes, and uh, her own movie now too in like 2017. That, that, I can't wait. That, that looks fantastic. I'm really excited. Yeah, that looks really good. And then you're dressed as the Dark Side influenced Supergirl from the Adam Turner era. You got I, I, not that I've not that I've read comic books. For a long time, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, let me see here. I got to kind of get my thoughts back around me because I was off in a different direction there. But so, you guys, you are professional cosplayers. That's your kind of your thing, then, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. So, how did you? Let's start with you, V. How did you get into cosplaying? Um, actually, one of my friends. Uh, one day she she knew, knows that I love Halloween mm-hmm. and I love dressing up and she told me you know I don't have very many friends who are girls who cosplay so you should try doing it and I actually compete in mixed martial arts so it started as a way to combat out of competition anxiety oh, okay. and it just kind of got addicted and started and here we are you kept running and I met this there. lovely lady and now we're All hooked right. well Cammie how'd you get started <laughs> well I dressed up for the Star Wars premiere for fun just to go and, and try it and oh sure I had all these kids that wanted to take pictures with me and I was like wow this is a lot of fun and then a couple months ago I actually was inspired by this young woman and <laughs> decided to try it in a convention setting and I haven't looked back yeah. well, that's that's kind of wild so now did you guys make your own costumes this is actually hers. Oh, that's okay. I'm actually okay. borrowing her costume today. <laughs> so did you, do you make them? I, or? I do make most of my costumes. Every now and then you buy one. Well, you yeah, there's always something you yeah, can't But can't I always try to up. make my costumes. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to ask you, since you are the Gal Gadot version of Wonder Woman, what did you think of Batman versus Superman? I actually haven't seen the movie. Don't what? kill me. Okay, here's why. My here's goodness. Why. Okay, I heard really polarizing opinions on the movie. So I've been very tentative to go watch it just because some people I've talked to said, oh my God, it's amazing. Other people I've talked to said, don't even watch it. I hated it. You know, and not just, not just any people, people who really love comics. So when those people told me that, I was very nervous about seeing it. But obviously, Wonder Woman's amazing, and I definitely plan on seeing the Wonder Woman movie. Yeah, that looks, it looks amazing. Yeah, they released that, um. That trailer, and it looked yes. outstanding. Oh, and her whole outfit's functional. Yeah. I mean, it's, like, bulletproof. That's It's pretty amazing what they did with her outfit. Yeah, so. no, it looks pretty outstanding. Yeah. So did you see it then? I did. I saw the first version that came out and, and thought it was good, but it felt that it was lacking with Wonder Woman in it because she's one of my favorites. Right. But then they came out with the extended DVD release that she has a lot more... Uh, screen time in it and it's not only that there. did you notice that the whole thing just played like a yes. better movie yes because it flowed and it didn't wasn't yeah. so choppy you yes. you v, plug your ears for a second so they had that opening scene where they shoot up that village and then blame it on yes. superman yes and you're like so they tell How everybody that they? superman went and shot all these people yeah then the extended edition they show they use flamethrowers to make it look like it was heat vision i'm like exactly. so why wasn't that in there exactly all, all right. the little touches like yeah that. yes oh so i'm done with that now <laughs> i'm over it yeah no, so I, I liked it. I liked the extended version. Um, but for me, when you approach two and a half hours to three hours, yeah. you have two movies on your hands, yeah. not one. Yeah. Not yeah. one. Yeah. That's what I, yeah. That's what I heard, too. Yeah. I heard the so, same thing. Now, being professional cosplayers, how many conventions do you hit a month? What's your touring schedule Ooh. like? Kind of give me an idea. I mean, just what's the lifestyle like? I think it honestly depends on what's going on. Like, this particular convention, I'm here because Cammie was like, hey, we should go to this convention, and it was very last minute, and we 
wanted to come so we showed up and I think in a month it's much more maybe a convention and then a gathering but I don't typically go to two conventions okay. in one month it's typically like I think like maybe a convention every month or every other month so, and then gatherings in between I was gonna say so a gathering what yes what would that be so that's like um we went to San Mateo yes yes we were in San Mateo and they put on a gathering and it's basically outside like at a park and this one was huge there was like 600 people that show up to some of these guys so it's like a convention but they're not selling things like here and they're usually a little smaller and more intimate so you can kind of get to know fellow cosplayers photographers yeah and when we're not at conventions we're often doing photo shoots on the weekends okay yeah so Um, we do you know separate so there there are other things happening sure sure so now are you are you girls like out of central california where do you where do you hail from i live near sacramento okay i'm just north of san francisco yeah. So you're a little ways out then. Yeah, it's yeah. yeah. farther. <laughs> so like Sebastopol area? Um, or? No, I'm actually in Marin. Oh, Marin. Is, okay, yeah. that's on too. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's yes, it's, it's still it's a hall. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 No, it's, I, I, I'm in sales, so I'm in traffic all day, okay. so yeah. I know okay. that's you know. like, yeah. Yeah, so we try to hit the big cons. Like, we, yeah. Fanime, AX, um, she's going to Kamikaze or yeah. Stan Lee's Comic-Con now. now. LA Comic-Con LA now. Comic-Con <laughs> now. Yeah, well, when, when my kids were younger, we used to, we lived in Santa Cruz, and we could go okay. to WonderCon when it came around, because oh, it was either in San Francisco or Oakland, so you're like, it's an hour, but yeah, doable. Then, all of a sudden, they moved everything down south you're like well what do we do now it really is something that's hard that's why this year when i went to stockton con i was so happy with what i saw yeah we were there oh were you okay we were so impressed with stockton con she was um suicide squad harley and i was catwoman oh okay and and it was amazing like it was my first time ever being at stockton con i knew Mm -hmm. it was a smaller con it was my first year too Yeah, yeah i didn't know what to expect and i think we were so excitedly happy with everything that we saw the people were amazing the, the people were fantastic the kids Everyone loved so her like, i'm sure yeah oh it was unbelievable yeah. and and they had tons of special guests that i never would have imagined yeah. were, would be there and yeah. that was so cool and they were very accessible which yes. was really well nice. we yeah. met we met david naughton from american werewolf in uh-huh. london probably uh-huh. one of the greatest horror films of all time <laughs> yeah. but when we were going up and around this corner there was the guys from the nwo if you ever watch pro wrestling yeah yes. and then we turned right here and there was michael dorn from star trek yep. and there was nobody in line so i'm like here's my money get our picture that yeah. was that was yes. us when I saw Billy West yes. from Futurama. Yes. Yeah, now, I had such great. a moment. I got yeah. to hug him. It was that's unbelievable. Really cool. <laughs> I, he's like my favorite. That show. No, 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 that's that's fine. Yeah. That show is so impactful for me. So when I got to see him in, I've seen him at panels. Right. But you're like. 200 well, feet away from the guy. When, yeah, yeah, when you're right there oh, with him, it's yeah, very different. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. He, was, he was awesome, too. Um, a couple years ago, we were when they were doing Wizard World in Reno, we mm-hmm. went to Reno. Knowing there was a convention in town, we didn't realize yeah. we were staying at that hotel. <gasps> oh, my God. Oh, wow. and, That's lucky. <laughs> well, yeah, so we, we pull in the parking lot, and there's a, not a limo, there's a town car in front of us, and I elbow my wife, and I'm like, hey, hey, is that Captain Kirk? <gasps> and so William Shatner was in the next car. Oh, my God. Well, we go into the hotel, meet our friends, we go to dinner at the buffet, and this tall, pretty, pale redhead keeps walking by, and I elbow my wife again, I'm like, check it out, it's Amy Pond. That's her. And so I got up and got my picture taken with her. Yeah. Put it on Facebook, and a friend of mine goes, you look like you're about to pass out. And I was like, yeah. like, yes, I did. I was about to pass out. That was me for sure. So if everybody wanted to find you guys on the interwebs, where could they look for you at? V, let's let's start with you. So um, I'm really Instagram heavy. Like I love Instagram, Facebook too, but you can find me at feisty underscore V. Feisty with an F, like 
feisty. Okay. <laughs> feisty V. Great. And Cammie? Yeah, and I do have an Instagram presence as well as Facebook. Um, well, we both have Facebook. Yeah. But uh, I'm under Cammie Slice. Slice spelled S-L-Y-C-E. Okay. Kind of a unique Well, you guys, you guys sure made that easy to find. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, try yeah. to you know, stick out a little bit. Yeah, Cammie yeah. Slice Cosplay, Cammie Slice 42. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, hey, well, thank you for taking the time to stop oh, by. I really appreciate so it. Yeah. Much. You guys I look really fantastic, so I really do oh, appreciate thank it. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. Enjoy your afternoon. Well, thank yeah. you. All right, guys, I am joined right now by Rico Anderson. Rico, how are you doing? I'm doing great, thank you. Well, that's good. So uh, tell me a little bit. You were in Renegades recently. Star Trek Renegades, yes. Right. Uh, uh, the pilot, actually. Yes. Now, are you still in, involved in that now, or is that... Well, I'm, I'm not in the current episodes. Okay. But I'm, I'm still very much involved in the whole... What was filmed, yeah. you're still on the film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, still in, I'm still in the family. Yeah. Fantastic. What else? Yeah. So what do you got going on right now? Well, a few projects. Uh, from Renegades, opened, it opened up a lot of doors. So mm-hmm. um, um, I was actually in... Uh, Star Trek Horizon, okay. also uh, a film uh, created by that was Tommy, by Tommy Kraft, Kraft, right? Tommy yes. Kraft. yes, yes, that was outstanding. It's also the most watched Star Trek fan film out there right now, I believe, as well. It is, yeah. it is. It listen, it's the power of what you can do with very limited resources and in your parents' basement. Yeah, because a lot of that was shot there. I mean, it was shot. There were spots too, but. I mean, come on. He did a brilliant job. No, it looks fan- You know, I haven't watched yeah. the whole thing yet, yeah. but I did watch... Um, what you've seen, yeah. You yeah, what I've seen has been outstanding. Yeah. Um, I was especially happy, and I'm probably going to step on my own feet here, when I saw it pass up Axanar as the most viewed uh, Star Trek thing. I think I was it was, yeah. yeah. And I think they just happened about maybe a little over a month ago or something. Yeah, a month or two back, mm-hmm. and that's Nate. Nate is stealing Rico's drink. Actually, no, that's his drink. Yeah, <laughs> I left it behind. Apologies. If he stole my water, then we'd be fighting. Then there'd be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, actually, from from that uh, Tommy Craft, I, I worked with him again on a new film called Runaway. It's a sci-fi film that I actually just shot with him about a month and a half ago. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, so that was that was good. Actually, from, flew flew out to Michigan. You to give us it. a little idea what that's about? Yes, uh, Runaway is a it's a futuristic, um, I guess you could say, a, a futuristic sci-fi film that deals with. It kind of has a reminiscence of slavery, but in a future where robots are the slaves. Okay. And some of them are uh, escaping to certain free states. And you have a situation where you have bounty hunters who are trying to get them back. And it's dealing with slavery and it's dealing also just with... Uh, personal choice. Yeah, so it's kind of, and and it's handling of the topic, kind of like Star Trek, using a sci-fi setting to deal with something. Also sounds a little bit like Blade Runner. Blade Runner, I mean, you know, all all those, especially the old school shows that really tackled a lot of uh, social issues. Star Trek, I mean, even Twilight Zone, things things like that. So it's going to be a wonderful film, and it's uh, actually going to be coming out in a couple months. Oh, fantastic. Okay, cool. Well, we'll definitely want to promote that when it comes out. I appreciate it. I'd love to know. I'd love to know. That would be great. Solid date on that. Yeah, so if people want to find you on the interwebs, yeah, they can go to, uh, they can look me up on Facebook. Uh, I am Rico Anderson, or just punch in my name, you know how that goes. Yeah, sure. They can see both the pages uh on twitter it's uh, i am rico anderson and um instagram is also i am rico anderson Great. try to keep it simple that well that that's actually pretty good <laughs> yeah. um so let me ask you this so are you open to doing fan films with a budget or somebody wanted to hire you kind of yeah listen you know it, it, this this business has has expanded in so many wonderful ways so it's not just hollywood doing doing various types of films it's also now the independent circuit that has really helped to keep a lot of sci-fi alive 
um, especially in the absence of Star Trek, where, you know, after for a while we didn't see any, any of it. And even right. when we did see it, people still wanted to um, have different stories out there. And, and, and that's wonderful. So, I mean, we, we had the we have the, 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 the new films that have come yep. out within the last uh, eight, ten years. Um, there's always been books. There's always been, like, uh, audio series and things like that. And now we have online shows that, that have helped to keep... Oh sure, the, the the dream alive, and from those we've had other universes. I I, I worked on uh, Fifth Passenger, um, as well that has uh, primarily like a ninety five percent Star Trek cast in it. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, and that's uh, that was written and produced by uh, Scott Baker and Morgan Maria. Okay, and it's got um, it's got Tim Russ, it's got uh, Doug Jones. Tim and Doug are in like in everything. Too. Every right, yeah. and, and and that goes back to my whole point of. Of the the genre just being kept alive, and, yeah. and you having these these iconic sci-fi figures who are, are love to be a part of it. Marina Sirtis is in it. And, oh, and, fantastic! Oh, yeah. So it's 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 a it's a great you know it's a yeah. great extension. Well, I love so doing let me let me get your opinion on something then. As somebody who's you know filmmaker and actor, do you think having the ability for such low budget stuff to be made is that going to help the industry overall or harm it what are your feelings on that i think it helps it i mean listen you 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 there are so many ideas out there and unfortunately it's not always going to be able to get to the powers that be in in hollywood so we live in a wonderful era right now where you could literally take your iphone and and shoot a film Obviously, you still want the professionalism sure. of the film where you have the lighting, you have you know, the right angles, how you shoot things, but it's not as expensive as it, as, as it once were. Right. As it once was. I mean, just to rent a camera, I would say 20 years ago was... Well, just, just say like film for a half hour shoot. Exactly. Would have yeah. been $10,000. Exactly. And not even that long ago. And now you don't even need that. I mean, you can do that... If you're doing it well yeah. for even half that budget, I mean, yeah. So it, it's I I think it's I think it's a great thing, and, and I think we live in a great time right now where we we can do what we want and not have to spend a lot, or even in a lot of cases, worry about um, certain establishments saying yes to it or no to it. Well, yeah. Well, there was a lot of in anything artistic that's going to be done for public viewing. There's skill because you have to have a good script and everything right. else. But if you're not standing in the right place at the right time, your project may not get bought. Exactly. And it may, that may have been all it was. You may have had the most brilliant thing ever. Wrong guys, wrong eyes, saw, never saw it oh, yeah. or whatever. And that was the only thing. There are a lot of projects to this day that are probably the next Star Wars, the next Battlestar, the next Star Trek sitting on shelves. Mm-hmm. You know, bought and can't do anything about it because hey you sold it for a great amount but there it sits which which is you know you 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 sell sometimes in the hopes that it will get taken over and produced but that's the chance you take or you can do like a crowdfunding yep um and and do it yourself and and hope for the best well yeah and even now though like we were saying just the bar of entry that cost you may be able to do it without even crowdfunding anymore. exactly yeah exactly you know it just all depends it all yeah. depends so it's, it's a good time it's, it's a it's a wonderful time and, it is it really is it's and a i'm great really time. proud to be a part of it i mean i i do a lot of mainstream television and film but i love this world as well and, and it's 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 helped me a lot it's opened up a lot of doors yes. and i've met some wonderful people puts, i'm here puts lots of eyeballs on you that yeah. may not have been there oh yeah definitely so did definitely. you have a stage background before you got into screen acting? I did. I actually started in theater. Oh, okay. I, I've been doing theater ever since I was 11. So, 
but I've been a geek ever since I was five. So, yeah. you know, so, it's so what like, was, well, what got you into geekdom first? Do you remember? You know what it is? You know, as kids, we, we, we all watch the cartoons. We all watch the superhero shows, the, yeah. the movies. And, and like all of us, it's some of it still stays with us even into our older ages. Some of it goes away because we have other interests. Life kicks in and kind of just takes us out of the whole genre. This is where geeks are born because yeah. we're doing the same things that we were doing a <laughs> number of years ago. So, yeah. And we still love it. Um, so it's never left me. But also being an actor has given a bit of a nice home field advantage as well because now I can still do what I love and um, well I'm in a business where I can almost pick and choose what type of projects I'd like to yeah. be in or at least try to go for you know what I mean and 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 being in Star Trek was was a huge was a huge goal of mine it's still a huge goal of mine this is a wonderful start with Star Trek Renegades oh and, sure and just being a part of that world in that genre I mean I, listen, I still pinch myself. I still pinch myself from what I did, yeah. the character I played, the people that I played, uh, uh, that I played alongside, the screen credit that I that I share with these people. You know, again, it's people that you grew up watching or or seeing or hearing or. Well, yeah, who was Walter Koenig was in that? Walter Nich- Koenig, Nichelle yeah. Nichols was in Nichelle, it. Well, Nichelle Nichols, she's in the. Uh, oh, she's in, in the, the second episode. That's right. That's right. Right. Yeah. Right. But but. Um, Got a chance to meet Michelle. Yeah. I, I met her a few years back. That's Again, outstanding. Just being involved in Star Trek Renegades has, has opened up. But yeah, just being uh, doing that, doing Fifth Passenger. I mean, you're, it's, again, the, the majority of the cast is all Star Trek. Yeah, and it's 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 that geek dream come true. So. Fantastic. Yeah. So uh, I got one more question for you, and I promise I'd get you back. But I'm you, loving this. So yeah. Do you still do you still get to do stage acting, or is that something in your past now? Or no, it's never something I'm past. I mean, I it's one of those things where I, I did my last full length play was about I think five years ago. Okay. And and I told myself I was going to take a bit of a sabbatical just so I can focus more on film and TV. I love theater. I will never stop doing theater. It's it's one of those things. It's kind of like going home. When you go home, there's always that sense of Man, I'm home, and there's nothing like it. I don't care wherever, whatever place I'm at, or whatever, whatever else I'm doing, wherever life takes me. As soon as you go home, there's just that feeling of calm. Theater for me is that oh, because that's where I started. Yeah. It, it's a whole different ball of wax from the industry that we're in. As you know, in theater, uh, you mess up on stage, you got to keep going. Somebody else messes up on stage. You got to keep going. Somebody says a line that's six pages in. You got to find a way to get back to those other six pages. So it's always that that whole um, spontaneity that I really love. And as a result, it's it's fun. It's 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 different, and, and it's 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 something that I always will cherish. Fantastic. So, in answer to your question, the long form answer is yes. I would love to get back into it. And, okay. And and I'm itching to find a good production. Yeah. Well, back. we've we've talked. This is my wife, uh, Jewel, sitting next to me. Hi. We, we We've talked to some actors who do, basically, they use TV and film acting uh-huh. to finance their stage acting. Oh, yeah. They go, yeah. well, I'll go do you know TV for two, three years so I can take this stage role. Right, yeah. right. And then so, there's always the, like, the, you know, like, you'll, you'll have actors who do, um, they'll do a series. And yep. during the summer when they have their downtime, they're, they're you know, doing a play in New York or something yes, like that. Yes, exactly. Um, in, in some cases, it's the same with... Um, you know, like you were saying, like taking that money and 
putting it in a stage production. Sometimes they take that money and put it into like an independent film. They, exactly. They, they, they'll do. So yeah, it's yeah. it's it's all relevant. Rico, I, I told them I'd only keep you for ten. We're at eleven and a half. So thank you very much. Thank I appreciate you. you taking the time. I, I appreciate your time. If you get a moment, shoot me an email with a headshot or something so I can put it in the blog post for I this. Will. I, I will. I would definitely. appreciate it. Thank you very. Hey guys, this is Jeremy. We're here on day two of the Classic Comic Con in Modesto, and I am joined by Glenn Eric Larson. How you doing, Glenn? Doing great. So this, uh, it was formed as a convention, but it's kind of slowly turned into a tribute to one of your father's works and your father in general. So that's got to be kind of exciting, right? Absolutely. Because here we are, almost 40 years since Battlestar hit the airwaves, and you've still got a fan base of one of your father's seminal works. Right, yeah, it's 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 gratifying to to see that. Yeah. Now, your father also did a show that's one of my all-time favorites, Buck Rogers. Right. Yeah. yeah great show. Yeah, that's one. Now, he wrote the pilot movies for both Buck Rogers and Battlestar, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct. Yeah, and he was also he was he a musician or? He was a musician. Yeah. He was a member of a group called the Four Preps, and they had uh, three gold records, including uh, uh, Twenty Six Miles. Uh, which was uh, they, all, all three of these hits, you know, sold a million records. That's fantastic. So. And then your father did something that was kind of new and innovative with Battlestar when he first launched it. He borrowed a lot from Mormon cosmology to kind of create the universe, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. Absolutely. Yeah, which yeah. I don't think had ever been done, and it was a brand new thought and way to handle it going forward. Right. So, now, how old were you about when this was going on? Um, I was about uh, 11 or so. So you were old enough to watch it on TV. And do you remember, were you a fan yeah. at the time or because Dad was I, involved? I was actually in uh, Battlestar Galactica. Were you really? I was in the Greetings from Earth episode. Okay. And, uh, and then I was also uh, in the sequel, Galactica 1980, where okay. I played Moonstone. In that, so. I had no idea. That's actually that's well, that's cool, right? And yeah. uh, and I played Todd in the Greetings from Earth episode. Okay, so now did you stay with acting? Kind of give me a little idea what you've been up to. I was in uh, Fall Guy as well. Okay, I was in BJ and the Bear. Uh, I was also in a show called Kids World, where I interviewed uh, celebrities and that kind of thing. Oh, I interviewed Judy Norton from the Waltons. That had to be a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. So, so what do you have to do these days? Um, and then, of course, today, now I'm running a, a website, uh, inspirationalvideoclips.org, uh, which uh, we're there to inspire people. You know, we all, all there's all this news out there that's very negative, yes, and there we is. try to, to show the positive side of things. Uh, and even even we, we did a few tributes to my father. Okay. Well, that's well. kind of what you're doing here this weekend is doing a tribute to your father. Absolutely. You know, we're going to show uh, you know a little bit of the behind the scenes to his shows. A lot of, a lot of people may not know. Uh, a lot of people may not know uh, some of the, the driving forces behind my father. What what made him tick, and uh, what inspired him. Oh, sure. Are there any shows out there that people are surprised to find out that your father was executive producer on? Um, there may be. It, it ha- half of all the Universal Television shows That's the thing. at one time were produced by him. Yeah. Your dad's name was on everything. I, everything I remember seeing as a kid 
your dad's name was on. Right. You yeah. got Magnum P.I., you right. had Quincy, Fall Guy, Knight Rider, Balasar Galactica, Buck Rogers, BJ and the Bear. Uh, the list goes on. Yeah, it was a pretty, pretty impressive body of work. So, Glenn, thank you very much for taking the time to sit down with us. Um, is there anything else coming up this year you want to promote? or? No, that's it. Just Fantastic. Thanks, Glenn. All right. Thank you. Hey, guys. I'm sitting here with Bob Van Tynan of In Search of Cosplay and also the USS Balthazar. How are you doing, Bob? Oh, great. How are you doing? Oh, fair to Midland. I'm uh, doing pretty good, but I'll do better soon. So, anyhow, you've got two groups here at uh, Classic Comic Con. We so do. why don't you tell me a little bit first about the USS Balthazar and your Star Trek fan group? Uh, the USS Balthazar is a brand new uh, chapter part of Starfleet International, which is literally that, an international fan club. Uh, we started uh, the Balthazar because uh, we want to support youth in the arts. Okay. We want to provide help. We don't want to be the providers. We want to help kids get involved in arts, whether it be visual arts, performing arts, whatever kind of arts. That's kind of our fundraising goal. But we also, uh, we're about having fun. You know, we have our meeting. After the meeting, we watch Star Trek episode. We have game nights every month. We're going to start interacting with other clubs like the USS Saroyan, who is also here, but he's with a different international organization. But okay. We like to interact and play with other groups. It's a lot of fun. Okay, outstanding. Now, were you a Star Trek fan? No, I've been a Star Trek fan since I was a kid watching uh, the original series growing up. Do you remember the first episode that you remember seeing? I mean... Uh, I remember all the episodes. Okay. I love You see, it. me, I remember the first one that, that clicked in my head, and it's where he fought the Gorn, so I was oh, yeah, gasp. Oh, yeah, yeah. How but, can you forget that one? Exactly. Um, so you're also here with another group called In Search of Cosplay which I have to assume is Leonard Nimoy-inspired in some way. Uh, well, no, it's not. Oh, okay. <laughs> but good good call. No, In Search of Cosplay is just a thing that my son really started. We, we go to cons. We take pictures of cosplayers. We post them on our site. We promote cons and different events. We share to try to help develop each other. It's all for fun. Okay. We don't charge money. We don't get money. Um, we just take pictures of cosplayers, whether they're the little kids or like today we had the uh, dogs. The wiener dogs that were dressed like dragons. dragons. Yeah. Well, it's awesome, man. We so, just share that with people. And, and I guess my question is would you call that a wiener dragon? That's exactly what I would call it. <laughs> okay. I just, yeah, I didn't know if I had the proper terminology for it yet or not, but. Um, so how did you get into all this kind of fandom stuff? Is there, I mean, I know your son is kind of what did it, but is it something you were interested in, or is it just something you ended up with after your son started it? No, I'm, uh, okay. The, the Star Trek, obviously I was a Star Trek fan long before he was. Sure, even, even an idea. in my yeah. eye, you know. But uh, the, uh, the Insurge cosplay he started, he went to a couple of conventions. He went to San Diego Comic-Con and to Phoenix Comic-Con before I got involved with him. And then one year I was going to go with him to San Diego, and we got two days out of the four, and I said, heck with it. Let's go to Phoenix. And every year now we go to Phoenix Comic-Con, and uh, we stay all four days. We walk the con. We take pictures like we 
uh, do here. Sure. Uh, ModestoCon was the first time that we actually bought the banner, set up, got a booth, and we usually try to make an arrangement. Look, we'll help promote your uh, your event. We're not making any money, right. so we just want to set up our booth and, and take pictures and promote what's going on. Well, what's so. what's kind of funny about that is ModestoCon was my first one that I tabled at, but I wanted to meet the guy that played Flash Gordon. So I didn't care what it cost. I was like, I'll pay for the table. I'll pay for T-shirts. I don't care, you know. And then now going forward, I'm like, well, I've got my own listener base. You know, I'll, I'll like, negotiate my entrance. But that one time out, I was like, I don't care. I'll pay, you know. I hear what you mean. uh, It'd be like if somebody said, hey, you can interview William Shatner at this one, but you got to buy your table. I'd be like, here, where's where's my checkbook? Yeah. Yeah. I would probably do that for him. Uh, obviously, your viewers can't see it, but I make a much better Picard than I do a Shatner. I'm, uh, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. That is to say we have English accents. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Can yeah. you hear it? You can't hear it. You can't hear those from where you're at, but we both have English yeah. accents. Cool. So, Bob, are you having a good time doing this? Is oh, this... I love it. I love it. Yeah. Cosplayers are a unique, fun, exciting group of people, and... I don't care what age they are. Yeah, well, the cool having thing a good is, time. is, like, most of them, or some, whatever the percentage is, how many, like, conceive of, build, and then wear the outfit? Like, the kid running around here right now in a full Iron Man suit that he built. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what percentage? Well, because you see um, some that buy, you know. 20 to 30 percent of the people actually get, yeah. get involved and, and really go deep and, and construct and build and design and sew. And, and yeah, and they've got every a number of, of skill sets. Yeah, it's, As it's we pretty, watch uh, a TARDIS dress come by. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Hey, Bob, so if people want to find your um, USS Balthazar Star Trek fan group, where can they look for you at? Uh, they go to... Uh, that's also on Facebook. Okay. It's... Um, USS Balthazar. If you search that on Facebook, there will be two groups, a public group and a private group. Private group is for club members. Public group kind of helps you get involved. And then the, the cosplay site, which is, uh, you can also reach us through that, is uh, In Search of Cosplay. And that's a Facebook page. Okay. And if you can't be here at this con, go to our page, and we try to get the pictures of all the costumes. That's fantastic. Now, so were you I a did, photographer before this? Yeah, I do photography Is that for like the your military and oh, for wow. fun and, and everything. Well, let's see. You were a little uh, young for Vietnam, so. Thank God. Uh, yeah, so what are we talking? <laughs> go for one? No. What, when, did you, when, when did you go in the military? Well, I went in the first time in 81, then I got out for 18 years, and I re-enlisted back in 2006. Did you hit your head or something? Yeah, or? I think I did. Okay. But I'm not, you know, anyway. Yeah. Well, it's just, <laughs> but, that's uh, a long break, so usually there's something that causes a... Uh, well, yeah. what caused it, my son wouldn't like me to tell you, but he enlisted, so I said, ah, what the heck, I'll go back You're going, I'll go too. Yeah. Oh, hey, so. that uh, takes a brave man to do that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, come out now. If you can't come out to the con, check out the InSearch Cosplay site. You get a chance to see a good number of the costumes that the people are wearing. Fantastic. All right, so why do they call you Crazy Bob? Because uh, I'm a crazy guy. Well, there come you on. go. All to, right, Bob. To hey, quote somebody, <laughs> I'm a wild and crazy guy. Went straight to the Steve Martin. <laughs> Bob, thank you very much. Thank you. Hey guys, this is Jeremy again. I'm sitting down with Philip R. Cable, film producer, author, 
uh, swell dresser and all yeah, around good I, guy. How you doing, yes, Philip? I do. Yeah, I do everything because I just can't hold a job. Can't hold a job. <laughs> right. uh, so, yeah, I'm doing fine. I'm here at, uh, of course, uh, Classic Comic Con and having a great time here. We're doing some great talks and uh, later in the day and uh, fantastic film festival they got going on here. Yeah, and see, that's the one thing I haven't even had a chance to look at yet, all the films in the film yeah, festival. I mean, so. they've got a whole bunch of feature films and a whole bunch of short subjects. I mean, I had the good fortune to actually be one of the judges. Uh, and uh, on, on some of the feature films. So, it's, yeah, it's going to be very impressive. That's fantastic. So, um, Philip, now you've had a, a long career yeah. in filmmaking. More than I want to think about it. And apparently people, yeah, people have apparently bothered you enough about the subject. You wrote a book. Yeah. I, was, I think I mentioned this to you earlier. I used to get phone calls. I got the reputation of being the answer man in the business, and people would call me up in the middle of the night or write me emails from all over the world. And my wife kept saying, why are you... Talk, giving all this information free, and it's well, I just don't have the heart not to tell them what, what they need to do to get their project off the ground. Well, fine, just put it in a book. So I did. I put it in a book called Make Movies That Make Money, uh, the, uh, uh, the Low Budget Filmmaker's Guide to Commercial Success, which you can find on Amazon and just about everywhere else in the world, I guess. Uh, see, it's all over the internet, so you can find it. And it, 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 the whole idea was to tell people how to get their first or whatever project off the ground and do it for it. A budget you can afford. Sure. And how to get the money to do it and also to make sure it makes money. Yeah. Well, and that's something. This is a topic that we actually come up a bit. Uh, this is my wife, Jewel, sitting here with me. How do you in, do, ma'am? In case I, I'm looking at this pretty lady right now. Yeah, in case I reference her at any point, she's sitting here being quiet. Um, but we actually talk to a lot of Canadian filmmakers uh, and uh, well, and inside the, the United States. Yeah, in Canada, it, yeah, yeah, well, Vancouver, that's why yeah. it's huge. Um, but we see where two people that were from what might be the most famous Canadian TV series ever made are actually out pushing a couple uh, web series now that they're trying to get made into TV pilots. Yeah. And, you know, they're talking about different things like how basically, you know, like filming a half-hour show would have cost $10,000 just in film stock alone. Yeah, yeah. Ten years yeah, ago. exactly. And now your iPhone, you can shoot the same thing. Yeah, and that's the amazing thing. Is that we have advanced so rapidly. In fact, mm-hmm. it's impossible to keep up with the technology because what by the time I learn what a particular camera does, it's already obsolete. obsolete. Yeah. And a whole new technology has come through. So at this point, I don't even try to keep up with the cameras. I just try, I just try to keep up with the people that know about the cameras. Yeah, just understand where the understand camera guys enough. are. Yeah, I, I made it my business to know a little bit about everything so I can talk intelligently to the people that are experts. Uh, but uh, it's, it's amazing. I mean, I, just a few years ago, you had to be... You had to shoot something in 16 millimeter or 35. Right. Now you can use, uh, then it was video, then it was now digital format, now it's high definition. And the funny thing is, the things they were doing in Star Wars just a few years ago with their incredibly expensive cameras, which were $45,000, $50,000, you can go now over to Best Buy and, and buy for like 500 to to $1,000. Right. So you can actually make feature films. Yeah, I've, I've, always, I've always said that making movies is not about the money in your hand, it's about the brains you have. And uh, you can make a feature film for virtually nothing. It all depends on how you go about doing it and how many favorites you got to get. Right. Well, that's kind of the, the question I always have as somebody that's from outside the industry and a layman. To me, I mean, the, the technology is amazing, but I always think that when you make those kind of advances and start driving the budget down, everybody's pay goes with it, too. Is that something that you well, see? Well, it's often the case. But here's the thing. I, and I, and I, and I, it sounds kind of corny, and there's a lot of people I know disagree with this. My personal opinion is, even if you are not paid, you're still being paid. Mm-hmm. The reason being is, if you are, you can be in the industry, a union actor, working it for 30 years, and all you ever get are bit parts, all you ever get are, you come in and say one line, 
okay, that's all fine and good, and you were paid adequately for that. But until you get that starring role, that important role, where that juicy part that can showcase what you can do as an actor, as a cameraman, as a special effects man, as a sound engineer, until you can showcase what you can do, you can't really advance. Now, and the, but the old, there was an old expression that said, hey, it's not a question of whether or not how much am I going to pay you. How much should you be paying me to put you, make you a star in my movie? Right. If you can get a part in a movie, whatever that position might be, and even if you're being paid nothing or you're just getting credit and meals, the fact that you've got that credit, can you can now then parlay that into something big and important. But you've got to get that break. And the breaks don't come because you, you're just magically there. Right. And you have to be willing to sacrifice. What are you willing to give up? To take that step forward, because it, you know, the, a lo the law of nature, for every step forward, you have to take a step backwards. For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. I think that's the most important thing in physics, because it describes every facet of life. If I give up this, I can get this. Well, that, so, that would seem to cover. I'm just always interested to kind of see how one thing affects the other. I mean, yeah, you well, drive down the cost, but you drive down some, all the costs. There was a, uh, a millionaire who was talking to a group of people many years ago, and all the people were complaining, well, I, I, I can't, no matter how hard I work, I can't get rich. It's, well, uh, how many times in the last year, how many days of the last year have you worked to be rich? What do you mean? It's, how many days a week do you work to be rich? Well, I don't work to be rich. It's, well, that's why you're not rich. To achieve anything in life, you have to be willing to work every single day and give up a lot to achieve that end. And whether it be as a writer, as an artist, as a poet, as an actor, whatever, you've got to be willing to get out there every single day. And you have to give up a tremendous amount in your personal, I mean, financial life perhaps. But, but ultimately it pays off in the sense that you have the chance, at least the chance, of creating a career for yourself. Okay. That's a long-winded way of saying it. No, 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 that, 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 that answers the question, because you're right. Yeah, if you're not working on investing in things to get yeah. some money growth, you're never going to see your money grow. Yeah, uh -huh. exactly. Um, so, and, yeah, or, if you're not working at growing your career, you're never going to see it exactly. grow. Exactly, and most people just wait for that magic moment when the producer walks into your door and says, hey, I'm going to cast you in my movie. I know I've never seen you in anything, but, wait, hey, I'm going to give you a shot anyway. Yeah. No, that doesn't happen. you got to pay your dues. you got to be willing to get out there and get the thought job. I went for years. Uh, I'll give you an example. I went for years being being thought of as being really stupid in this industry because I was the guy on the set who was always asking questions. Now, wait a minute. I don't understand. Why are you putting that microphone right there? How come you, you when you do the film, why are you why is the price for this different than the price for this film over here? How come Kodak film is different than Eastman film? What, and my peers were always looking at me like I was a moron because I was asking these questions. Well, the difference is, though, I was learning the answers. They didn't know them either. They just didn't want to look uncool. Five, ten years later, they were the same people who were so concerned over how stupid I was are coming to me for answers. Yeah. And, of course, Kodak eventually bought Eastman, so it didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. But uh, yeah, for a while, I was even under contract to a studio where they would call me up in the, to, off in the middle of the night saying, okay, i got a problem. How do we solve this? You know, if I were you, I probably would have started unplugging my phone at about, yeah, about 11 p.m. Well, that's what my wife said I should do, too. Yeah. You know, I was going to get you a soda, but I think we might have run out of time well, there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're okay. Yeah. Well, uh, Phil, here's what I'd like to do. I don't know how easy it is to contact you or have you contact me, but I'd like to have you back on to do a full episode. I would be happy to. And I, I'm going to be here for the whole weekend, so if we don't do some more stuff here, too, we can do that. Then. Okay. Maybe we'll do that then. So okay. I'm going to go ahead and we'll... And you know what? I'm going to be doing a talk at 2.15 on how to make movies and fan oh, wow. films and the legalities of fan films. Right. How to get investors and all this other stuff. So anybody that's 
not here at the convention. Uh, or if you want to come and take a look at it, take, feel free. Okay, at 2.15. I'll try 2:15. to keep that in mind. And if I free up, I'll definitely will, come take a look. I will look forward to it. Oh, fantastic. All right, guys, that was Philip R. Cable. And um, I'll get his uh, book info and everything in the show notes. So hopefully if you've got a question about making a movie, you can get his book and find out. Yeah, and make sure you make sure it has my name on the book. There's a couple of books out there that have very similar titles. I'm sure they do. <laughs> Philip, thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me here. Bye-bye. Geekishcast theme music is taken from Out to Get Mine by Reign of Zaius. Check them out at reignofzaius.net. website at geekishcast.com. Geekishcast is a BSU Ficker production, and all original content is copyright 2016. If you got a thought or a comment or think you or somebody you know would be a good guest for Geekishcast, please feel free to reach out and contact me. You can email me, thegeekishcast at gmail.com, or jeremy at thegeekishcast, or you can even phone me at 209-232-6001. 